theyeshiva.net. Okay, the Yuvan, well, the Yuvan Inyan Zay, you see? It's page 30, the second column. Mamash, the middle of the page of the second column. The line starts with Tzarech Lahoven Eich Lahaschel. Thank you. Okay. The Yuvan Inyan Zay, Behekdem Levaya. This whole Inyan, to understand the paradox, to understand the paradox, which one you begin with, and to understand the apparent paradox that on one hand we say that most of Torah or all of Torah explains the mitzvahs, and yet the Yerushalmi tells us in Mesech Tepei and Perik Aleph that all the mitzvahs are not Kedai, Legabe one vart of Torah, and even the Bavli tells us that a mitzvah that you could be doing through Acherim, you're not supposed to stop Torah and Dafka do it. Rather, you delegate if it's a mitzvah that you can't do all your So then, so then you have to uh, you have to do it. But if not, then you don't stop learning. And the whole Indian, what are you learning? You're learning about Hilchas Trumas. Right? And yet you have an opportunity to do what you're learning. Say, don't practice what you preach. Right? We don't believe in practicing what you preach. We believe in preaching and not practicing as long as somebody else can practice. <laughs> Somewhat strange. I was at a Shabbos a few weeks ago with Dr. Torsky, you know, from Pittsburgh. Well, not from Pittsburgh anymore, from uh, a psychiatrist from Muncie, I just saw. Rabbi Dr. Abraham Torsky. So he told me that in the early 60s, he went to visit the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And the Rebbe lamented the fact that there's so little, so, so few Jews who are versed in Torah, who are taking on the position of psychiatrists, psychologists, and therapists, and social workers. He's getting a lot of letters and visitors, and people with lots of challenges emotionally and, and mental and so on and so forth. And it's very difficult for them, and there's no community of support and professionals who deal with this. So he asked Rabbi Tursky to really put himself in Rosh Hashanah in this field, master it and learn it and develop it, so it could be a literature for people who grew up with Yiddishkeit. And the Tursky, I heard this from him. He says, "I told the Rebbe, I said that I have now a lot of shiurim in Torah. I learn a lot. I give shiurim. I teach." And he, I know you now what I'm doing. It's very hard. If I start doing this, it's going to be mamish bittel Torah for me. He said, he looked at me, and he said, this is a mitzvah she'i ef shalasas when the Gemara paskin does medaf mevatel ben This is a type of project that can just, who are we going to get here, right? So it can be delegated, and therefore uh, it, uh, it uh, transcends limudat Torah. But that's because it's a mitzvah. So you see what he did, right? With his 60, 70 books. He went into this Rosh I mean, he still had plenty of shiurim, but I guess, relatively speaking, he felt that uh, it's going to compromise his own personal growth in Avayda Sasha. But if it's a mitzvah, then you say, you continue learning. What's the Havana here? The Yuvenin is a behektem levaya. So he says, this sinya will be understood... Bahakdama of a beer, Kihine Noida, Shabbat Chius, 
In the chiyus, the vitality, and the ur, the energy of the infinite one, which gives life to all the worlds. From the highest of madregas to the lowest of madregas. In other words, every creature, every existence, every detail of all existence receives vitality, consciousness, from Hashem's oil, from Hashem's light, which is a metaphor for energy. From the highest madregas to the lowest madregas, you're dealing with an ant, a bee, a flake of snow, a drop of water, a blade of grass, and you're dealing with a galaxy, you're dealing with a planet, you're dealing with a person, you're dealing with angels, souls, from the highest worlds to the lowest worlds, every nekudah. So basically, this chiyos has two pchinas. What do we mean two pchinas? Tupchinus means two dimensions, or two ways we can experience it, two ways we can speak about it. And here we're introduced to a statement in the Zohar. The Zohar basically says a famous line in the world of Zohar. The Zohar says, When the Zohar wants to describe Hashem and His energy, it says He fills the worlds, and He saves the worlds. Saves literally comes from the word like saviv, right? La Saviv. Saviv, around and around. Sivivon, Adredel. Here, we're not going to explain it as Saviv Kalam and he surrounds the world. In other words, Hashem fills the world and he surrounds the world like he makes a kafas. These are conceptual concepts, should not be understood in spatial terms, in terms of space, of Makkah. But the Zoyar is saying something that's very fundamental in the world of Zoyar and in the world of Nister in general. There are two types of Chius that are projected from Hashem in relationship to all of the universes, down to the smallest creature, insect, organism, and any aspect existing. Ha'al of the first is Pchinis Mamalikalam. It's called in Zayha Mamalikalam, which literally means he fills the worlds. Mamali from the word Malay. Mamali. Vatam Mamali. Why is it called Mamali? Because this chiyus is malubash, meaning enclosed, like a person who's malubash in his suit, in his shirt. You could say, my body is malubash, it's enclosed in my shirt. It fills, it's filled, literally within the world, mamash. So, what does he mean by mamish? Memalek Kalaman doesn't mean that the chiyus exists in the world. Slave of Kalaman also exists in the world, as we will see. It means it's absorbed within the consciousness of the world. It's experienced by the recipient. You understand? Memalek from the perspective of the recipient. I feel that it fills me. I feel, just like when you eat something, it fills you, it's in you, right? especially if it's heavy. Or just like if somebody teaches you something and you absorb it, you feel that you got it. It's not just it's in me, I feel that it's in me. In other words, there's a conscious relationship because it's something I absorbed from you and now this information or this data or this wisdom or this emotion, whatever it is, actually fills me in the sense that I experience it. I know it, I detect it. It's part of my identity. Because it comes into my kalim, it comes into my vessels. Why is this? Because it's melubash. Melubash means I cannot put on pants, 
that are too small, or I can't put on pants that are a larger size because simply they'll fall. I need pants that fit fit my legs. A lavush has to be commensurate. It has to be consistent with that which is enclosed in the lavush. The body and the jacket and the pants and the shirt have to fit each other. You, put, you wear big shoes, you're not going to be able to walk. When you say, Oyer is malubish, whenever you see the word malubish, remember this. Malubish is a key word. Malubish means the energy fits the product. They match. What does it mean to match? It means this is a divine energy that is limited. It's custom made. It's custom tailored. Talk about lavush. It's custom tailored to the particular nivra. If a bee's brain, or an ant's brain, or a mouse's brain, or a rat's brain, or any brain, would be of a different size, or of a different chemistry, it would automatically, completely metamorphosize the type of organism it is. There's a reason a human being is a human being, and a chimpanzee is a chimpanzee, and a, a lioness is a lioness, and a rat is a rat. Everyone, even though there's so many ways in which we're identical, there's no question about that, but nonetheless, the slight variations, what we call today in the DNA, create a different reality. And the chius that comes into this person is therefore a different chius that is relatable to the particular chemistry of this particular nivra. That's called malubash. Malubash means the jacket. It's not one, one, one size uh, one size fits all. There's no such a thing. So when you say the oyer is malubish, it means by definition it restricts itself to the particular parameters of this individual object or creature or organism. And that's why it could be received by them consciously. Why can it be received by them consciously? Because it's communicated to them in a way that's consistent with their identity. Al-Yidei, so the world is filled with this chiyos. What do we mean the world is filled with it? that the world feels that it's filled with, filled with it. It's something that relates to them. That's why this energy has to go through a tremendous evolution. Hishtalshalus is the Hebrew word in, in Kabbalah and Hasidus for evolution. We're not talking about Darwinisms, Darwinism, evolution from, uh, from, uh, from one primate to another primate, from the primordial... Uh, from the primordial soup, um, after the you know, from, <laughs> and the Big Bang to uh, the present Homo sapiens, we're not talking about that evolution. We're talking about evolution from the spiritual to the spiritual, from the spiritual to the physical. Evolution would mean an energy that evolves, and in each process of evolution, it assumes a more brute incarnation until it can assume a physical identity. So, for example, if I see you smiling, I am naturally going to assume that there's an emotion that triggered the smile. Or if I see you crying, I'm going to assume that there's an emotion that triggered the tears. Now, the tears are a physical manifestation of an intangible emotion. But it's the emotion that's being manifested through the tears. The tears are not existing in a vacuum. That's why I'll come over to you and say, what are you feeling? In other words, tell me what is behind the physical tears. But even if I discuss what's you fe- what you're feeling, you may say, I don't even know what I'm feeling. I'm just <laughs> feeling sad. Or even if you do know what you're feeling, where does that feeling come from? So you'll say, for that you have to speak to my psychoanalyst. So in, 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 if you want to use mystical terminology, 
tracing something back to its original source means climbing up the ladder of Ishtalshalus. The process of psychoanalysis is basically tracing back your present experiences to where they come from. Maybe when you were four years old and you were neglected or somebody said something to you and you're still traumatized, you don't know about that. You're dealing only with the symptoms, but the symptoms are rooted in, uh, in a source. Can I trace back my present experience to the original experience? That's hard and that's painful, but it's really the path of healing because you can identify what it is and you can also see that you're not an evil person and you're not a sick person. You're a complicated person. <laughs> so you just have to be able to see the origin of it. So this term is really the term of Ishtalshlus. Everything is seen in Hasidus as Ishtalshlus. And it's important always to go to the origin of evolution to understand something. Don't look at the world from outside in. Look at the world from inside out. See everything from its mocker. Now, therefore, therefore, when you talk about this chiyos of Hashem, it goes through a whole evolutionary process until the point where it could become the consciousness of the rat. The rat has consciousness. That consciousness is soulfulness. It's electricity. That electricity is ultimately divine energy. That energy is mamalikalam. It, excuse my metaphor, it fills the rat. Or it fills the flower. Or it fills the worm. Or the ant. Or the butterfly, the moth. Or you. Or you. Or a rock. But that rock has a certain makeup. Right? It's comprised of a certain amount of atoms, whatever the amount, sectillion atoms, that a drop of water has, five sectillion atoms. You know how much sectillion is? Huh? A lot. One followed by 21 zeros. Okay? That's a lot. A lot. So that's one drop of water has that amount of atoms, five sectillion atoms, but... And each atom has its own, uh, 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 what makes up an atom. And it has to be organized in a way to create one drop of water. Ultimately, that's Hashem's chiyus. But it has to be custom made for this object, for this item, for this person, for this soul. We're talking about spiritual and physical. So this is the spiritual DNA of the universe, basically. The spiritual DNA is called mamalakalam. And that gives rise to every person's identity, chemistry, composition, makeup, and consciousness. What's hard? No, for a person, the process of going from bottom up is, a, is, a, is an intense process. It's also a courageous process. So, there's a tremendous evolution. In the path of Elah and Allah. Elah is a term that's used very often in Jewish philosophy. The Rambam uses it and many others. The word Shalshelas, Hishtashelas comes from the word Shalshelas, which is a chain. Ila is basically the cause, and Olul is the effect of the cause. It's the antecedent, that's the word. You know what antecedent means? Huh? Yeah. Ila and Olul is, Ila is the antecedent, and Olul is the effect of it. So for example, the Ila of the apple tree will be a seed. But that seed is an Olul from a previous apple, Right? That seed is an olul from the previous time. So one olul becomes the antecedent, the source of a new, of a new one. An olul becomes an elan. So this is what he says. The process of evolution is ila v'olul. 
You have the source, which generates an, an effect, which generates a new source, which generates a new effect and a new source. V'tzimtzumim rabim, enormous restrictions. V'yididas ha-madregas v'madrega madrega and the descent of steps, madregas are steps, which means levels, from one step to another step, another step, this is called hishtalshalos bederech ilav and that's why there's so many worlds, so many universes, because it's basically divine energy evolving, and in each process of evolution, it morphs into something else, so that it can assume a more tangible manifestation, until it finally, finally reaches a point where this energy can say, create can create the seed or whatever other object or item or creature it's creating in a way that is suitable with the identity of that creation to be able to function and be designed in the way that it's supposed to function and design. What's the difference between the words and symptom? Completely different. Symptom means restriction or constriction, like litzamtsem. No, no, no. Hishtalshlus basically rep- means the evolutionary process of the energy. Tzimtzum means in order to create that evolution, the energy is going to have to be restricted, and that's what the evolution accomplishes. That the energy is more restricted and more restricted and more restricted. So imagine you have a teacher who's teaching a class, right? Somebody's giving a shir to Rashi Shivas. He's giving a shir to Rashi Shivas. So he's going to give over energy or information on one level. Yeah. Now, if you'll say, okay, now give this shear, right, to sixth grade in yeshiva. And he's going to give the same shear. And they'll all look at him, and within five seconds they'll be daydreaming because it goes right over their head. What's the problem? The information was beautiful information, but it was simply completely inconsistent with their brains. It cannot be absorbed because you put somebody in a class of, where they're teaching in Mandarin. You may understand physics, but if they're teaching in Mandarin, it simply cannot absorb, you can't absorb it. So Bamalik Alalman means that the energy must be suitable to the audience. And every audience is different. So just like how you teach a two-year-old is not how you teach a six-year-old. It's not how you teach a ten-year-old. It's not how you teach a thirty-year-old. And it's all based on age, development, IQ, information, background, context, and so forth. Skills, the skills you have. Right? You have Bachim, I mean, we all know you have Bachim sitting in Yeshiva for six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. They can't translate a Mishnah yet, but they're listening to Pulpulim and Shagas Aryeh and Birch Shmuel and Rebbe Kiveger and Rebbe Chaims, etc. And uh, you ask them to explain Pshat in the Mishnah. They can't explain Pshat in the Mishnah. So that's a tragedy and a travesty. The point is, I'm speaking, but I'm speaking over your head. It's completely not going into you. Mamala Kalama means that Hashem creates a world that's filled with energy. Everybody is following their pattern, their program, their code, because it's a code that suits this body. It's a code that suits this chemical makeup. It's a code that actually, the, 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 the guf and the neshama are created based on each other. One reflects the other. That's called mamalakalam. It fills that, the world. It doesn't mean that I will understand that the energy is divine. No. The rat doesn't know. It no. It means that he'll function as he'll a rat. Fu- exactly. He'll function as a rat. In fact, I may completely not know that it's divine. That's exactly the point. It's so restricted that I could start calling it my own. It's my electricity. It's my consciousness. It's my energy. I may even deny the concept of the soul. I just take it for granted. Of course the body lives. Of course a hundred trillion cells come together 
to create the body. Of course, there's a hundred million neurons in your brain making approximately a hundred million decisions every millisecond, and somehow they all work together. <laughs> but you try putting together a hundred million wires of that size, all functioning together to create something that's not one percent, but a fraction of a percent of what the body functions. But I could say it's just happened this way. What do you call it? The primordial soup, yeah? The primordial chalant. So it just happened that way. So, but what, 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 what is functioning? It's a divine energy completely concealed, completely restricted, allowing itself to become a cell. And what type of cell? The exact type of cell that my pinky needs. Even a person can get to it, not only that. Huh? Even a person can get to it? You could get to it, but you could also not get to it. That's what mamali means. Mamali means I become you. Mamali means God becomes your battery, your engine, your electricity. Now, for the, the, the phone needs a different battery than the tape recorder needs, right? Than the CD player needs, than the, uh, than the car needs. What if you put the car battery into your iPhone? It's not going to work. Why? Because <laughs> that battery was designed to be able to filter the electricity, or call it the chius, the vitality, to be able to give chiyos, I'm using the word chiyos, to be able to energize your car. Not that your iPhone needs a different battery. It's a completely different battery. It needs a different hishtalshalos, a different process. So now, let's, uh, let's understand electricity. I plug in my refrigerator to electricity. I plug in my microwave to electricity, right? The electricity that comes into the refrigerator is an electricity that can do the function what the refrigerator has to do. The microwave does a different function. The electricity is ultimately the same force of electricity. But what it's energizing is energizing a completely different reality based on what? Based on the Kali, based on the instrument that the electricity is being channeled into. What happens when I plug both of them out? The electricity, so to speak, reverts to the source of electricity, whatever that means. We don't know exactly what electricity is. We just know the impact of electricity. Nobody knows what electricity is, what's its definition. It's one of the intangibles of our world, even though we, it exists, and we see the symptoms. The same is true with Mamalakal. Mamalakal Alman, you can't know God, but you could see the symptoms of God's electricity. What's the symptoms of God's electricity? Look in the mirror, you'll see the symptoms. And every one is Mamali. It's measured according to the particular identity of that nivra, of that creature, of that eye. That's Mamala. And he says, Umipsari echze. There's an expression in Eoiv, Mipsari echze elaka. From my flesh I perceive God, which the Balatanya always explains it means that when you want to understand Hashem, study yourself. That itself is a very powerful idea. Mipsari echze elaka. From my flesh I will perceive Hashem. That's what Eoiv tells us in Perikites. And what this really means is that the makeup of the human life, the composition of the body, the composition of the mind, the relationship between the body and the mind and the soul, is the greatest illustration for understanding Hashem's relationship with the world. And what it also means is that when you dig deep into yourself, you will find Hashem. Mipsari When you will scrape away at the superficials, and you will look deep into yourself, you'll be able to see Hashem. You'll be able to find to find a Laka. Which in itself is a potent idea because what it means is that to find God, you don't have to escape yourself, you actually have to go deeper into yourself.
the deeper you go into yourself, you'll find Aleikha. Which is why when, uh, when uh, people feel that religion is by definition an escape of the self, from this perspective would be a very, a very uh, erroneous statement. It was somebody who said, uh, Marx said that religion is opium for the masses. It's basically a drug to keep people distracted. So, uh, so you know, many people think about it in such terms. It's basically a t- way to, to run from yourself. You know, you always have something going on. Mincha, Maidivs, Mankrishmas, Mantfila, Shvuas, Dafyoimi, Mishnabrura, Cheesecake, whatever it is, there's always something going on. So you never have to look in the mirror. And I assume it's true for some people. I assume it's true for a certain amount of people. Because, uh, you know, if you're OCD, halacha could be a wonderful, wonderful thing for you. It, I mean, it's beautiful. Because there's rules for everything. How you tie your shoelaces, how you cut your nails, how you go to the bathroom. It's wonderful. And you could become so obsessed with it and so zealous towards people who are not. And, of course, all you say is that this is God, this is holiness. It's really your own issues. But we could project our stuff on religion. There's no question about it. But uh, we live in a generation where uh, our youth are crying for something else. They're looking for mipsari exelika. That religion should be an experience where you actually go deeper into yourself. Because you go deeper. It's become because you go deeper into yourself. God is not here as an excuse to run away from yourself. On the contrary, when you go deeper into yourself, you'll be able to see a lika. You'll be able to see a lika. So that's a very big yisoid in, in chassidus. Sorry, echzelika. It's kamo yislapshes haseichel b'midus, u'midus b'machshava, u'machshava b'dibur, sheyoyred u'mishtal shol madrega achem madrega chenasa machshava dibur amaisa v'dalit chushim reiyu shmiya. So he starts giving an example, Mipsari, how the human being works in terms of the faculties of the soul. This is going to be his classic marshal to understand the process of Mamalakalam. So we'll see the marshal. But what's the Nekudah of Mamalakalam? The Nekudah of Mamalakalam is the energy of Hashem that is completely defined based on the individual identity of the product that he wants to create. Just like the teacher, who is a classic pedagogue, prepares a class exactly for the student according to his mind and according to his sensibilities and according to his sensitivities. So that when I speak to this student, it's going right in. Because it suits him. It suits him. The hand can go straight into the glove. can go straight into his mind, straight into his heart. The illustrations, the wording, the choice of words the mishalem, the metaphors, the anecdotes, it can go straight into him, and it could be absorbed, it could fill him up. It's like food, literally, that fills him up. Now, this, the marshal is, of course, I don't create the student, I teach the student. Mamala Kalaman doesn't only teach, Mamala Kalaman creates. But what is it creating? It's cre- it could have created whatever it wanted, but it's creating something, that it had a plan. This is what I want the function and the utility to be, and the level of consciousness to be. And that's the, the, the amount of energy and the type of energy I'm going to imbue into this organism or into this rock or into this grain of sand that it should be able to function as a grain of sand. That means it has a particular molecular structure. There's a particular atomic structure. It has a particular subatomic structure. 
and it has a particular divine energy which is the source of the molecular structure and the atomic structure and ultimately the source of the grain of sand that we observe which is exactly what I want it should have its utility, its function, its capabilities. The grain of sand is not going to be an animal that has an animal consciousness. It's not even going to be a tree that has a certain, what we call a tree consciousness. Its own type. It's going to be a grain of sand. That is the male almond. There's a grain of sand, and then there's a, a human being and everything in between. That's in the physical world. And then you have... There's, the, there's a planet, and there's galaxies, and there's stars, and then you have in the spiritual universe as a whole, and everyone has another pchina. That's mamalikam, and it's completely diverse and multiplied. Then there's a whole other energy, which is called soiv of kalam, and a whole different energy. And the Balatanya is going to show that Yiddishkeit has two streams, Torah and Mitzvahs. And Torah and Mitzvahs are basically allowing the world to tune in to the source and to the rhythm of these two energies called Soiviv and Mamala. One mitzvah and the other is the stream of Torah. We will be Ezra continue this after Yom Everybody have a wonderful day. Okay, we're holding page 30 in Bamidbar. The middle of Siv Beis, at the end, closer to the bottom of the column, the second column. Starts Mipsari Echza, Kemoya Slapshus, around 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, around 13 lines from the bottom, Kemoya Slapshus Asechel, a few words before, Mipsari Echza. The aside and summation that we're discussing here is that in the Chius that Hashem communicates to all of the worlds, there's two aspects. One is called Mamala Kalalman, and one is Saiv of Kalalman. Right? That's the Nikud. Mamala Kalalman literally means fills the worlds. Saiv of Kalalman literally means, push the translation, surrounds or transcends or encompasses. Saiv of, like, you know, you Saiv of, your mak of something, you surround it. Now, obviously, these are metaphoric languages, words, we don't mean it in spatial terms. It fills, you know, I, I put my finger into the cup, I, I put the coffee into the cup, so I'm filling the cup. Or I go like this to the cup. That would be Pamali and Saiviv. We're talking about a concept. It's not that Saiviv is around it, that God's energy is around the world and not in the world. And Pamali means in the world. That's, a, uh, that's not what it means. It's just a metaphor to convey a certain idea. So we use these ter- terms of Pamali and Saiviv. What's the idea that the Zoyar, the Zoyar uses these terms? Hashem is Pamali Kalaman and Saiviv Kalaman. What's the term? What, what is the idea that the Zoyar is trying to explain? Mamale Kalaman represents the chius of Hashem, the chius of the Ein Soif, the life force of the, of the Infinite One that fills the worlds. In other words, it's tailor-made. It's custom-made. You have a custom-made suit that fits you perfectly to the identity of each and every individual niver, every existence. In other words, the way Hashem wanted this niver to be so the energy is measured and restricted and defined according to the nature of the nivra. Just like a marshal would be. A teacher, a great teacher, speaks to the audience based on the makeup of the audience. As they always say in my field, 
The most important thing is you got to know your crowd. You got to know your crowd. If you don't know your crowd, yeah, it's not just you got to know your crowd in order to, uh, they should like you. You got to know the crowd in order to be effective, in order they should be able to relate. You sit with a certain audience, you talk about certain things, it's like, whoa, you, you missed your target because you don't know who your target is. So a great teacher, a great mechanech, a great pedagogue, is always com- very sensitive to who I'm talking to. That's what a great malamed is, a great teacher. You know, he knows that he knows his kids, he knows his talmidim or talmidois. You know their sensibilities, you know their sensitivities. And the truth is, every child is different. That's the truth. Really, every child deserves their own teacher. Really, every bacha needs his own yeshiva. We've been saying that for years. It's just technically a little difficult for finances and other reasons to make every for every bacha a separate yeshiva. But really, every person needs their own yeshiva, right? <laughs> so we put we take thirty five people, we put them in a classroom, and we say, figure it out, figure it out. So some figure it out, some don't figure it out, some are still trying to figure it out, and some quit. The point is that a good malamed, a good mechanech, you speak based on the kalim of the person. So your information could fill them. Literally fill them. Fill them as you say, I'm filled. It goes into me. I absorb it. Why I absorb it? Because you spoke to me. You spoke to me in a language that I don't understand. I can't absorb it. Maybe it may have an effect on some spiritual abstract level, but that's what mamali means. Mamali means it fills me because it suits me. It can go into me because it's measured according to my mind, according to my heart. You spoke to me. You didn't speak at me. <laughs> you spoke to me, so it was measured. It was rest- And sometimes that means you have to cut out 90% of you would like to say. A good teacher, you prepare a shir, sometimes 90% is not for the audience. Cut it out. I, you want to say it. It's not about you, it's about them. Mamali Kalalman is not about you, it's about them. And because it's about them, it's limited to the needs and the parameters and the vessels and the instruments of the people. Clear, right? Now, by Hashem, He's not just teaching the audience, He's creating the audience. But it's the type of creation that is measured according to the product that He wanted. Exactly, this creature should look like this, physically, mentally. This is its level of consciousness. This is its level of imagination. This is its... This is how it exists. What is that based on? It's based on Mamalakalam and the Chiyas that is measured carefully to every Nivra according to the final product that we want, including every person individually. So it's a very individuated Chiyas that differentiates between one and the other. And we're talking about every insect, every animal, every bird, every creature, every existence, whether it's Doimim, Tzemeach, Chai, Medaber, no matter from a grain of sand, to a flake of snow, to a blade of grass, to a heavenly star. This is all mamale kolom. Right. And the seder here is, it has to go through an evolution and a process, what he calls ilav, and simsumim, until it could permeate the nivra and penetrate it according to its consciousness. If it gets a little more, it won't be able to exist. It won't be able to exist. If our brain would be able to perceive reality more than we perceive reality, it's very hard to exist. Everything has to be a certain amount. We exist not because of what we know, because of what we don't know. We're protected by what we don't know. If you know too much, can we sugar that? If, uh, kids with autism that are 
there's no filter, everything, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. we have auditory and visual filters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The brain filters constantly. Everything is through a filter. And what we get is a little trickle of consciousness. Yeah. Let's see this from our own flesh. The nefesh, the soul, fills the body, so to speak, and it fills all the limbs of the body. It's the battery, it's the engine of the body, the human, what we call the human organism, which is the synthesis of electricity, of energy, and of body. The mind and the body work together. The psyche and the body work together. And the soul gives it chiyos. So each limb is different. It's like a different audience. Each aver is different. It has its own needs. It has its own functions. It has its own design, its own purpose. So here too, he says, there's an evolutionary process of how the faculties of the soul evolve. There's The highest experience is seichel, which is intelligence. It's a person's values. What do you value? That would be seichel. What do you value as an ideal? What's your ideal in life? Then there's something called midas. Midas are emotions. Emotions are the next step. Because what I value, right, I hope to emote about, to get excited about, to like, to love. Not always simple. Sometimes we value one thing and our emotions are stuck. But in the process of evolution... Seichel is one experience, and then Seichel is Midas. Then comes Machshava, and then Machshava Bedibur. Machshava is, you start thinking, you're thinking, how can I get it? How can I attain it? This is strategic planning, so to speak, where a person thinks about things that he's excited about. And then there is speaking about it, right? And then there is actually Misa. What's Misa? I actually do things about it. So here we have a process where... You have the same energy, but it evolves. You have it on one level, which is seichel. You have the energy, the way it evolves in midas emotions. Thinking about it, speaking about it, doing it. And then you have the five senses. You start looking, you start listening, you touch, you taste, which are all physical manifestations of this emotion about which you had a certain awareness, a certain seichel. So, the nefesh has all of these experiences. A soul allows you to understand, to develop a value. A soul allows you to feel. A soul allows you to think. A soul allows you to speak. A soul allows you to see, to hear, to touch, to smell, to taste, which are the five chushim. He says, because he means the other five. A soul allows you to do it. And there's different limbs and organs in which these things happen. I can't speak with my eyes, and I can't smell with my mouth, right? And I can't see with my nose. Every aver is made in a way that allows for its unique functionality. We all understand that. This is one of the great miracles of the body, that when a body is created in the womb of the mother, when that one cell reproduces itself, it creates a design where every limb is designed particularly in a way that it should be able to facilitate a particular function. And it's an interesting thing that we don't think about the fact, why doesn't it happen a child is born and the eye decides suddenly to be in the knee? You ever thought about it? And the nose suddenly in the stomach. 
We take it for granted, but you shouldn't take it for granted. It's not a partial thing that the nose doesn't end up in the middle of the stomach and the eyes don't end up on your two feet. It's, who take, this, is, this is the normal thing, but it's, it's anything but normal. It's anything but normal. But what would happen if yeah. the wrong cells, right. things would be in the, it, it misplaced in the wrong regions, so the function and the utility and the purposefulness of the way the human organism, or any other organism in the world, it's not Negei, I'm giving an example of a person, would be terribly compromised, sometimes destructive, sometimes dangerous, or sometimes just you know, very difficult, very challenging. So what has to happen here? What has to happen here is, every aver has its chemistry, its makeup that allows you to fulfill the purpose you need with that aver, through this aver. And the soul, which has all of these energies, fills each aver. This is an example by a person of Memale Kalalman. The eye has to be made up in a particular way. It can't have other things, because then it won't be able to see, etc. And the chius that comes into the eye, the chius of the nefesh, is one that is measured in a way that it allows the eye to do this function. And the same is true every other aver in the body. And it begins already spiritually, seichel and midois and machshava and dibur and so forth. And the and the 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 energy dwells in the mayach in the heart in the mind, v'leiv in the heart. And from the heart, the blood and therefore the chayes hadamu anefesh extends to all the limbs and organs. Everybody receives the exact amount of energy they need according to their mezeg. Mezeg means composition. Tchuna means characteristics. So this can be a head. And this could be a leg, a foot. So just like we spoke about the faculties of the soul, that they evolve. Seichel morphs into Midois. Midois morphs into Machshava. Machshava morphs into Dibur. Dibur morphs into Maisa. It's the same energy but it expresses itself in different ways. An intellectual value is not an emotion, but the emotion towards it is that energy evolving in a different mode of expression. And then thinking about it, speaking about it, and the same is true about the chiyos hanefesh. The chiyos is, you have the main chiyos is where in the brain. The brain is the house of the electricity of the human being. A person is brain dead, they can't live. The brain has a central nervous system. The heart is of course the source of the blood, which allows the chiyos to come around so that the body should be able to live, to get its blood, to get its oxygen, and to be able to live. These are the evarim shanashamatluyabaham. So the main source of the soul is in the mind, and then in the heart, and from there it gets spread out to all the limbs of the body. And you can't compare what the brain contains to what the foot contains. It's a different level of energy. Why? Because the foot cannot contain that type of energy that exists in the brain. It wouldn't be able to function. The foot is made to be able to get the blood circulation that the foot needs in order to be able to function as a foot, or to function as a leg, or to function as an arm, or to function. So the chius is measured according to the physical makeup of the body, and the chathila, the body is created that way. It should be a keli for this issue. So something, and the brain has to be of a certain type of material, fabric, quote-unquote, to be able to be a brain. And the same is true with the heart. So the chiyus and the keli must match each other. 
This is an example in a person of Mamalakalaman. Mamalakalaman means the soul and the body are a perfect match, like a hand and a glove. Each limb has its chemistry, and according to that, it gets its, its vitality in order to be able to function in its fashion. This is the process called Seder Ishtashlus, the evolutionary process. It's that the power of the soul. Its life should fill the body. That the limbs of the body should be filled with the energy and the chiyus that comes into them, and each one receives according to its chemistry and according to its characteristic. This is a dogma, a metaphor in every human life for mamalakalaman. We are filled with life and we feel it. We feel the life force. We may not define it as a soul, we may not define it as a, a nefesh, right? Many people don't like the idea that there's a soul, they despise the idea that there's a soul for whatever reason. They like the idea that there's a, <laughs> everything is chemicals, there's nothing else. There's neurons and there's chemicals, and everything is, is, begins and ends with that. But that's not Negeya here, the discussion. How you want to define it is a good question. But the fact is, we everybody is made that there's an electricity, there's a life force. However, they want to explain the origin of the life force. But there's a life force, and the life force can be experienced. A person feels alive. And different limbs and organs are facilitating that electricity in their own way. The brain in its fashion, and the heart in its fashion and the pancreas in its fashion, and the liver, and the kidneys, and the digestive system, until the soul on the bottom of the feet is doing its job, and getting what it needs, its circulation, to be able to do its job. And you cannot, you cannot say it's just generic. Every aver has its needs, and what means that it's healthy. Health for the heart is different than health. Circulation for the heart is different than circulation for the, for the foot, for the toe. It's a whole different metzias, based on what it needs etc. with the brain. And the vulnerabilities are different, and the dangers are different, and the level of vitality is different, even though it comes from one soul. But it goes through a process in order to be able to be divisible according to the needs of the audience. The audience in this case is the body. This is a marshal from Amalek Alaman, because the world is essentially a big body. From Hashem's perspective, the whole universe is one large organism. That's what it is. Just like in a person. There's many details. The universe, there's endless details. But it's one large goof. It's a goof that says in Avaz de Rebnasen. Oilam Katan, Zeha Adam. And the world is the goof gadol. We are the miniature universe. It's called the microcosm and the macro. The micro is the human being. But the human being is just a mirror of the macro. There's a big goof that's the whole universe. So Mamale Kalam, the Gemara says in Brachas, Nishama Mamale Yasa Goof, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mamale Yasa And that's the same process. Mipsari Echz, Mamale Kalam. Now all these faculties, all these koiches, and all this chayas that comes from the soul, are all an extension of the soul. The soul itself is not divisible. The soul itself is not divisible into many different koiches pratim. But these koiches are an extension, a hispashtus of the nefesh. They are an expression of its energy. And each limb gets something of it. Everything comes from the soul, but in the soul itself, all the faculties are really one. They're integrated. They don't have a specific identity. In the soul itself, you don't say in the soul, there's this element. The body is a divisible 
It's divisible. There's the, the, every aver, and it becomes a keli for a different aspect of the nefesh. And the nefesh itself, it's all integrated and synthesized as one. Like a simple example, you take the seed of an apple tree. So in this seed, microscopically, you have all the aspects of the tree, right? Because it's going to produce a tree. It's going to develop into roots, into a stem, into trunk, into a trunk of the tree, into branches, into leaves, into fruits. But in the seed itself, you don't have a tzir, you don't have a fleshed out form, like in the sperm. Microscopically, yeah, from this you'll have a whole fetus, including nails. But nonetheless, here you only have a seed. So the same is true the nefesh. The nefesh itself is like the seed. You don't have a division of all the different kaiches, but when this nefesh gets planted in the body, so now different elements flesh out and bring out and become facilitators and vehicles of different kaiches of the nefesh. Ach these koiches, at the beginning with koichachachman seichel that comes from the nefesh, comes from the essence of the soul itself. It comes from the nefesh shalachachnikr, nefesh amaskelas. That's why we give it a name in Svarim. We call it nefesh amaskelas, al shem koichachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachach
it's completely one with the soul. Because it comes from the soul and it comes from the essence of the soul to the point that the soul is called the Nefesh HaMaskelos. So because the Kayach HaSeichel is the first revelation, so to speak, the first expression, which will come down into many other areas, there'll be Midas, there'll be Machshavah, there'll be Dibur, there'll be Maisa, but the first one is Seichel, so the Nefesh is called Nefesh HaMaskelos. In other words, the perfection of this Nefesh is a Nefesh from where Kayach HaSeichel is, Kayach HaSeichel is revealed. Why? Why are these details so relevant here? Because he's bringing out every detail in the marshal in order to understand the nimshal. Like this whole marshal that we're talking about. All the details that we discussed in the marshal are not stam details. They're a marshal for a nimshal. That they all exist in the Hishtalshalos, in the evolution of the energy, from the Oyrein Saif, from the energy of the infinite one, blessed be he, to give Chiyas to all the worlds in a state that we call Mamalakalam. Where do we see all this in the Nimshal? The Pasuk says, this is a Pasuk in Nechemia, and we say it every single morning. In Psukh the Zimrim, Vayivarech David. Ato Hashem Levadecha, Ato Si says Hashemayim, Shmei Hashemayim, Ha'aretz. Right, and then we go off to Avram So the pasuk first says Atu Hashem That's the first thing we say. You're alone. Then we say Atu Sisas Hashemayim Shmei Hashemayim V'Chol Tzva. At first glance, there are two opposite statements here. Atu Hashem Levadecha means you're alone. You're alone. You're the only one. Then we say, no. You made Shemayim, you made Shmei Shemayim, you made Chol Tzva. So Pipshat, you'll say, Atu Hashem Levadecha means you're unique. You know, you're alone. You're like in a different category. You made everything. But deeper, we're actually saying two things. Number one, you're Levadecha. Number two, Atu Hashem Shemayim, which means you're not Levadecha. There's something else. You made you made us. So he says, Pirush. Here's the pshat. Levadecha means Shulavadi is Barakh Yachidamiyuch. He is alone. The love, the Islach Tzadik Yidiya Vikhuli Balav Mikal Inoin Midois Iyukla. This is a quote from Pasachilio, which many people say Erev Shabbos before Mincha, which comes basically it's a section of Zoya, the introduction to the Kuni Zoya. So he's just quoting the words. That love the Islach Tzadik Yidiya. Do not think that you have, we will not think that you have an attribute called tzedek, justice, that is known. Basically, the Zoyer is saying that we cannot define by Hashem by any midah. Lav mikol inun midos He is not made up of any of these midas. You can't say he's a chacham, he's a tzedek, he's a balcheser, he's a balgvura, he's a baltiferes, because all these are descriptions, definitions, names that we give, even though they're beautiful noble characteristics and qualities, and when it comes to a shidduch resume, this is what you want to know. If the person is wise, if the person is kind, if the person is just, if the person has good value, the person is a mensch, person has a sense of humor, and all the good qualities that we search for. But nonetheless, these are qualities. So the Zoyar says, Lav mikol inun midos iuklau. He's not made up of any of these midis, which is similar to the etzem hanefesh we spoke about in the marshal, the soul itself, which is indivisible, like the seed of the tree in a physical metaphor, I'm just using that as a physical metaphor, 
which is indivisible. Atu Hashem Levadecha, you are one, meaning there's no, you're everywhere and there's no room for any other reality. And not only that, we can't even define you in a specific characteristic. Atu Hashem Levadecha, you're the only reality and we can't even define it in any way. But nonetheless, you made the heaven. Even though Atu Hashem Levadecha, the Chiddush is, even though Levadech, Atah Sisas Hashemayim, the Hainu, Mispashtus, Gdulas Ein Seif Baruch, Ulamayla Adin Ketz, Ulamayla Mata Adin Tachlis. Hashem allowed Himself and His energy to be projected upwards infinitely and downward infinitely. She'ein Ze'ela B'mchinas Mispashtus Bilvad, B'mchinas Ha'ara V'ziv. So Atah Sisas Hashemayim is referring to, so to speak, His presence or His light, His ray, Ziv is ray, his energy, similar to the chiyus of the soul, that is expressed within the limbs of the body. On one hand, it's only a hispashtus. It's an expression of the nefesh. It's not the etzim ha-nefesh. But on the other hand, just like by the soul, the life of the soul comes from the soul itself. It's not a new thing. It's an expression of the soul itself. This hispashtus, this comes from Hashem himself, and that's why this energy is also ain't soif. There's no space that's devoid of it. It's Your malchus is the malchus of all the worlds, like we say in Ashrei, meaning the chiyos of all the worlds comes from your malchus. Like we say in Baruch Sha'amar. This is all your name. We'll mention your name. It's like a name which is also a form of espashtus of a person. The purpose of a name is for people to identify him and to call him, and he turns around to people who call him. In other words, the shame is basically what allows a person to relate to others, to be identified by others, to be spoken about by others. I can't speak about somebody without a name. I can't. I need some name, some reference, right? It can't be in a vacuum. I could speak to myself and about myself without a name, because I am me. But in terms of, what do we need a name? If I'm living myself, I don't need a name. If I live on an island, you don't need a name. You don't speak to yourself through your name. But if I want to speak to you, I'm going to call out your name. If I want to speak about you, I'm going to identify you by name. So the name represents basically how a person is related to others. How a person is in a relationship with others. I I don't know you. I know your name. I don't only mean a name, your name, uh, Chaim Yankel. Your name means... Your reputation, the name that you have, the Keser Shemtev. I know your name. I don't know you. How do I know you? I know your name. I know that which expresses itself to me. I know what you look like. I know how you dress. I know how you speak. I know what you told me. I know what you didn't tell me. I know what you did. This is all the name. In other words, the way a person is projected to others. So we say in Baruch Shamar, what we know is your name. What's your name? That Hashem chose to allow His infinite, undefined energy to be projected, to be expressed. How is it expressed? Look at the heavens. Look at the earth. Atu Hashem Alone. Alone means it's non-defined. It's non, non, you can't describe it in any way. And it's yachid umayuchad. Nonetheless, Hashem allowed this this ain't soif to be expressed, just like the soul by a person. The soul itself, the core soul, transcends any division, and yet it comes into the body, 
and there's a hispastus, there's an expression of the energy of the soul, and every limb captures something else of it. So if you were to ask the arm to describe the soul, it will tell you that the soul is that which allows you to throw a ball. That's what it will tell you. And it's a true description. If you ask the eye to describe the soul, it will say the definition of a soul is vision. And if you ask the kidneys to describe a soul, they will describe it in their way. And if you ask the abdomen, every limb will describe the soul in its own way. And it's all true. It's not, it's not fully true. It's part of the truth. It captures what it knows of the soul. And it's true. That is part of the soul. Is it the whole soul? No. Is that the essence of the soul? That that's the whole essence of the soul? Does it come from the essence of the soul? Of course it does. So it's true. But this is the name. In other words, the way I get you from how you project yourself to me. Do I get you in your essence? How do I know you in your... I don't know the soul in the essence. I know every limb knows the soul based on what it gets. It's the same thing. But then there's which represents different features of creation. And every one facilitates and projects and brings out a certain element of the Ein Soif through its vehicle, through its energy, through its individuality. So that is like the name, Venasker Shimcha. What I could speak about is your name, in other words, how you chose to let yourself be known and called by others. So when we speak about shame, Hashem's name, it's a metaphor of what? Hashem allowed Himself to be identified by others as much as they can identify Him. And every world identifies Him in a different way. Every person identifies Him in a different way based on your experience, based on your definition of reality and of significant reality. You can have two students hearing the same shear. Everybody takes away something else. Why? Because we don't listen to what the person is saying. We listen to what we're capable of hearing. I can't hear what you're saying. It doesn't exist. All I can hear is what I'm capable of hearing. You all know this with your wives, right? You can never hear what she's saying. It's very hard to listen to what she's saying. What you hear is what you're capable of hearing. There's no, nothing else. I can't hear what I'm not capable of hearing. And sometimes I'm not capable of hearing certain things. It can go in, but it doesn't go in. The gate that I have never goes out from the second. Why? I don't have the keli for it. It's not that you're not saying it. It's that I can't hear it. The Baal Shem Tov once said that Matan Torah always happens. Matan Torah happened, never stopped. Matan Torah is an ongoing process. The difference between the first Matan Torah and the perpetual Matan Torah is that we stopped hearing. That's the difference. By Dabra Elikimus, he's always saying it. The difference is we can't hear it anymore. Baal says we can't hear it. You have to have the Kalim to be able to hear it. I can't expect the leg to take out from the nef to hear in the nefesh, that which the brain hears in the nefesh. The brain brings out from the nefesh so much more than any other ever brings out of the nefesh. Why? Because its keli is made up differently. Because its keli is made up differently, so therefore it has a different name. It's going to call it nefesh amaskelis. Different limbs will... There's the famous metaphor that, you know, six blind people uh, all touched an elephant. You remember the story? They all touched an elephant. And then they were asked to describe what they, what they saw. So everybody said something else, and they were all right. You know, this one was feeling the tusk of the elephant and said, this must be an elaborate piping system. And this one felt the leg of the elephant, and this must be a tree. And everybody had a different description. And then somebody who saw comes and says, it's an elephant. So they were all 100% right, and they were all 100% wrong, dead wrong. They were all right in the sense that what they were feeling was very akin, it was similar to the experience of touching a tree or touching a pipe or touching a wall or whatever it is. 
This one touched the stomach, so he touched the wall. So they were right in that, because from their experience, this is what it was. What they didn't get was the full picture. The full picture, everything is part of it, but it's not what it is. It's really an elephant. So Lahavdil, this is the idea of a name. A name is that I identify you, but I identify you based on how you allow yourself to be known, to be experienced by me. That's Atta Asisa Sashemim. This is Mamalakalam. Mamalakalam is it's Hashem. It's Hashem's energy, and it comes all from Hashem. It's not like Chas Vashem, it's a separate thing. Just that's why he went on to be mighty. Don't think that the Koiches that come from the soul are not the soul. It's all from Etzema Nefesh. And we call it Nefesh Hamaskelis. We call Hashem a Boyreyoylam. But nonetheless, to say that the soul itself is divisible this way, the soul itself is not divisible that way. But the energy of the soul, the way it is accessed, and the way it evolves into the different limbs of the body, assumes different identities based on their own experience. This is the first marshal of Mamala Kalama, the divine energy that fits and suits every creature, Mamish, on an individual basis, which we can talk about, we can address, we can identify. We may not be able to identify it as the divine, but we can, ident- we can identify it as our identity. What, what does identity come from? Mamala Kalam. Mamala Kalam is the source of identity. All identity, the sense of I, which is a very valuable gift in life. Do you have an identity? What is that identity? That identity in spiritual terms, that's Mamala Kalam. That God fills you in an individual way, He doesn't fill me that way. He doesn't fill me. There's a seven cup, a seven ounce cup, there's a nine ounce cup, there's a 21 ounce cup. Each one has a different amount of liquid. Now that's a primitive muscle, but what he fills me is not the way he fills you. My kaychas are not your kaychas. So therefore, my identity is mamalakalalman. Your identity is mamalakalalman. It's identifying who God wants you to be. How do you know who God wants you to be? Based on who you are, based on who he made you. If he would want me to be you, he would have to make me me. (laughs) Sorry. Freudian slip. If he would want to make me you, you, if he wanted me to be you, he'd have to make me you. He made me me. So that's the value of identity that everyone contributes their verse, so to speak, to the powerful play of life. Your verse is distinct. That unique individual verse comes in, 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 in spiritual language. This is an embodiment of just like the worst mistake in the world would be for the pancreas to turn to the kidney or for the abdomen to turn to the, to the liver and say, you know what, I don't like who I am. I'm struggling, I'm going to become you. Let me copy you, let me look like you, let me dress like you, let me function like you. It's not only it will be damaging for itself, the whole body will be destroyed. And that's so important to understand. It's not that you're not, when you're not allowing yourself to be who you're supposed to be, you're damaging yourself. The whole organism is affected because each aver has its unique function and purpose, not just selfishly. Not just selfishly. But it's part of the chalik of the whole guf. Because without it, if the guf is missing, the liver, to be the liver, then major functions are compromised. A person can't live. And the same is true with every other part. The heart is going to get jealous of the brain and say, you know what, why are you on top? I want to be on top. So the heart travels up to the brain and then we know what's going to happen to the brain itself. The brain won't be able to function because it won't get the, the blood, the oxygen it needs from the heart. The kayotza bazeh, this is the nekuda of the malakam. Okay. Yeah.
So you understood Mamala Kalam and everybody? It was clear? Okay. Benaskir Shimcha Shamalakena. Benaskir Shimcha, the shame. Huh? It's a hard book. It's a very hard book, Tanya. Tanya is a hard book. Look at the tater's hard, but Tanya is hard. Okay, so we're on 31, Daftazai in the first column. And, uh, the line starts, Venaska Shimcha Dahinuk Mashema Adam, probably eleven or twelve lines from the top. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Fourteen lines from the top. Tazayan, the first column by Midbar, page thirty one, you see. So the Nikudis by Baruch Shamar we say We will mention your name. This is the intro, so to speak, to Pesukah de Zimra. We're going to basically speak about your name. That's what we're going to be talking about. We'll mention your name. We're not going to be addressing your name. Name is a generic term which represents, as we explained, the concept of how you are perceived by me, how you're known by me, how I relate to you. That's the name. Name never captures the essence of the essence. It always represents and embodies that component of you which is known to others. Just like technically, a name allows me to call you. More conceptually, the name represents that aspect of you that is known to others, that is relatable to others, that is projected to others. Like we say in English, he has a good name, he has a bad name, he has this type of name, he has that type of name or reputation, or resume. In other words, how are you known? How are you experienced? So the name, in more abstract terms, is basically how I experience you, or how you allow me to experience you. And that has more to do with me than with you. (laughs) That's always the key in life. How I experience you has more to do with me than with you, right? Because we experience other people based on who we are, much more than based on who they are. It's how I process what you say, how I process how you look. It's all based on my own experiences, my own imagination, my own conceptions, for good or for bad. You know, it's not not, what we're talking about. So therefore Hashem too. Hashem allows us to experience God according to our vehicles and vessels. And therefore His name is different everywhere. That's why He has so many names. His name is different. His reputation is because the way an Hashem experiences the meaning of Hashem is not like a goof experiences and a malachir is not like a malachir. And the way a turtle experiences God, right, is not the way a human can experience God. So every person and every creature has its own experience. And that's what Sukkot Zimri is. We're going to speak about Hashem in terms of our context, in terms of our context, or to basically, it's asking what God does for me. He gives me life, He gives me existence, and everything that comes with that. So that's what I am defining here. V'naskar shimcha malkeinu elekeinu. V'kach ksiv, the line starts, V'yisha Hashem el hevel v'amin chaser. The Pasuk says in Bereshis, V'yisha Hashem. 
Hashem turned, He responded to Hevel and His gift versus Kayin. So what, what's the point here? What's Vayisha Hashem al Hevel v'al Menchase? So He says, Shepoyne v'nimshech mimenu chiyus el habruyu. This is the concept of a shame. We have a, he said before that by a name, when you, when you call a person by his name, he turns around. By Hashem, it's the same thing. So to speak, you call him by his name and he turns around. Meaning, what does it mean here he turns around? We don't mean physically he turns around like I call you by your name. I say, so you turn around. What it means here is that this captures God turning around, meaning Hashem manifesting himself turning around, communicating a flow of energy to creation. That is what we mean by His name. His name is the way He is experienced by existence as a result of becoming the source and the engine and the energy of existence. And this is why we say in Baruch Sha'amar, we continue, we say, V'naskir shimcha malkeinu alakeinu, yachid melach. So again, you know, these words everybody says for so many years, you know, you just say it another time, another praise. But the words are very precise. What's Yachid Chayelam Melech Pidush? Who atzma is Baruch Yachid Meyuchad Levade? He on his own is Yachid Meyuchad, one and singular alone. Rak Chayhoi Lamim, the Hainu Chius, Vikiyam Eilamis, Mabchinus Melech. But the Chayhoi Lamim, the life of the world, this comes from Melech. It's similar to what we said in Vayavarach David. Atu Hashem Levadecha. That's what we're saying here too. We remember, we remember. Yachid, you are Yachid. You are one and singular. This refers to Hashem in terms of Himself. He's Yachid Meyuchad. In other words, and that's in that space, there's no other reality outside of Him. Then there's There's a life of the worlds. This is Melech. What's Melech? Melech is Hashem wanted to be a Melech. What's a Melech? A Melech means a leader. In other words, you're in a relationship. Malchus means you're in a relationship. You can't be a leader and you're detached and you're apathetic. The definition of Malchus is, as the famous expression in Rabbeinu Bechai and other Svarim, Ein Melech, Beloyam. There's no leader without a nation. There's no wife without a husband. There's no husband without a wife. There's no teacher without students. There's no... This is a, rela- this is a relationship. Malchus is a relationship. The Chei the life of the world, comes from Melech. You wanted a relationship, and therefore you allow yourself to be experienced and relatable to the others. And of course, that requires a tremendous limitation, because what I experience of you, even of another person, is only based on my experience. Never mind of God, it's not of the Yachid, it's the Chei that's what a person can experience, the consciousness within himself. This is... Knowing God by knowing yourself. In other words, to put it differently, it's seeing Hashem as the core of the self. The more I know the self, the more I excavate and I go to the depth of the self, that's where I find Hashem, because this is Hashem as the engine, as the battery, as the reality of my reality, the ultimate reality of my reality. You're looking for yourself, essentially you're looking for your true self. What is your true self? Your divine energy, the energy of the divine that fills you, that saturates you, that makes you who you are. You find yourself in God because that is Now of course, when you say you find yourself in God, that's the God that's relatable to the self. It's the God that shrinks and limits and compresses 
and articulates his energy in a way that it allows for my identity. It creates my identity. It creates my. Does that capture all of God? Of course not. Yachit. is melech. Now this flow and this extension and this expansion evolves according to a system of levels. One level, madrega means a step, but it represents a level. One level and then another level and another level, just like we spoke about the soul and the body. You can't compare the energy in the brain to the energy in the eye, to the energy in the abdomen, to the energy in the toenail. Toenail also has vitality. It's also connected to the neshama. If it had no vitality, it wouldn't grow. But you can't compare the vitality in the nail, right, without nerves, which you can cut, to the energy in the heart, or to the energy in the brain. Although it's the same nefesh. It's a trickle. It trickles down the energy. It goes from level to level, an evolutionary process, so to speak, of descent. And here we, we discuss the different worlds the different universes, Kibayla Matzilas, the world that's called Atzilas, which comes from the word Eitzel, near, close, like Eitzel, I'm near you, Ani Etzlecha, I want to be near you. Atzilas comes from the word Eitzel, Eitzel Vesamach, I'm close to you. Kibayla Matzilas, Iyu Vichiyu Ichat, this is an expression of the Zoyar, again, it's the introduction of Tikune Zoyar, which is said by many uh, on Erev Shabbos before Mincha, there's a many, many Kehillas, some Svar than other Kehillas. So, he and his chios, chayoyi means his chios, his life force, is one. This basically refers to his characteristics, all of his characteristics. The divine light, the infinite light, is united there with, with complete unity, this complete one is there. The metaphor would be his achdus the level of unity of the soul with the power of seichel that comes from it. Although the soul is connected to every part of the body, but we call the soul a nefesh amaskelis, because the power of the soul that's expressed in the brain, in the psyche, in the mind, the power of awareness, this captures the soul in a way that no other koyach, no other faculty captures it. That's why the brain is the seat of the soul. The seat of a person's life force is, as we know, the brain. All other parts of the body are extensions and they receive all their vitality, all their instructions, really their entire identity and utility and functionality, all from the brain. So the achtos of the nefesh, with the koyach haseichel, with the power of the mind, which expresses itself in the physical in the physical vehicle, the physical keli of the brain, there is a unique unity. So the same, this is a mashal for Olam HaTzilas, where the Zoyar tells us, Iyu v'chiyu ichat, that he... His presence and the chiyui is what the chius of that world. It's completely one. There's no fragmentation. There's complete unity. Just like the nefesh is called nefesh amaskelis, because even after the nefesh is in the guf and the koyach haseichel is expressed in the brain, nonetheless the seichel, which is the deepest faculty of the person, the awareness ability, this is completely one with the soul. So therefore, we call the nefesh by that name. Nefesh HaMaskelis. The same is Chulamayla. Hashem Himself is higher than any world. But nonetheless, Olam HaTzilis is called, so to speak, a divine world. There's no fragmentation. We call the spheres His Kaiches because Iyu V'chayayichad is complete unity and integration in that world. Balzen Nemar, on this we say, Godel Hashem. Umuhul Olmeyoid V'ligdulasiyen Cheker V'litvulasiyen Mispar. We say in Pesukah de Zimra from Tehillah, 
Hashem is great, He's praised, His, his godless has no chaker, uh, no search, in other words, there's no way of searching it and defining it. His wisdom is, uh, again, endless, there's no number, there's no finiteness to it. So what is the, what is, what is the point? This is referring to the koiches, the spheres, the characteristics of Eilam HaTzilus. How much chachma does he have? You say, It has no limit, it has no tachlis. The same is true all the middas. It's mahul al It's It's bleak vul. Why? Because over there the koiches reflect the infinity of God, even though he's not defined by that. That's also one name. But this is already the first name Eilam HaTzilus, where the faculties are completely integrated. And then you evolve. Then you get to the next world. It's called the world of the Srafim, the world of the fiery angels, like we say in the morning, Srafim and Chayis, we say in the morning, the world of the Srafim is called the world of Bria. And this, the Pasuk defines it in Daniel. He says, He says that Hashem has their. Uh, uh, Elef alafim ribuy revavim, which means thousands and thousands, myriads and myriads. Revava is ten thousand myriad. So he has thousands of thousands, myriads and myriads of legions of angels. This is the place of srafim, known as oilam, oilam habria. Umikalmakim, and nonetheless, we say hayesh misper ligdudav. The pasuk says in Eiv, does he have a number to his legions? On one hand, you say there's thousands and myriads, and then you say, but is there a number? Because this is the paradox of Bria. On one hand, you call it Bria, the world of creation. It's not the world of Atzillus. That's why it's the place of Malachim. Malachim are not the ten spheres that are one with Hashem. They are creations called Malachim. But it's close to Atzillus. It still has the energy. Huh? So what's the Mikal Makam? What's the paradox? Are you saying Mikal Makam? On one hand, you say there's a finite number. Elef, alafim, viribur, revavan. Thousands upon thousands, myriads and myriads. On the other hand, you say, hayesh mispul ekdudov, to his legion. So the Gemara in Chagiga asks this question. That's what he's referring to. There's a Gemara in Chagiga in the second Perek. Chagiga daf Yudgimel, the Gemara says, one Pasuk says, Elef, alafim, viribur, revavan. That's Daniel. Another Pasuk says, hayesh mispul ekdudov. So the Gemara says, a very interesting answer, that Ligdudov ain't mispar. The number of legions, there's no number, but in each legion itself, <laughs> there is Elif Allah from Ribiravava. What's the point he's bringing out? On one hand, there's an element of infinity in Elam Abriya, and there's an element of finiteness. So there are chambers that are created without a number, Ligdudov ain't mispar, but each one is filled with Malachim, where there is some type of number, because this is the world of Briya, the second world. No, Asiya. No, Asiya, Yitzira, Bri, and Atzilus. Four worlds generally. From there you have even greater fragmentation. Where suddenly he's making counting numbers of stars. The Pasuk says in Yeshaya, he takes out the legions in number. In other words, here we're talking about numbers. So this is all the same Hemshech of Tehillim. The last few is Mariam and Tillam. He starts off with Gadal Hashem Ein Cheker, which is of course the beginning of Ashrei. This is referring to Olam Hatzilas, where you're dealing with Ein Cheker. Later it was going to say in Tehillim Kuf Mem Zayin, which we're going to say two is Mariam later. Kitov Zamra Lekeni Kinoim Navasila. We're going to say Velisvonasai Ein Mispar. 
L'svanosoy ein mispar. That's Tehillim Kuf Mem Zayin. That's Olam HaBriya. Then you have, in the same Mizma, we speak about Moinem Mispar Lakechavim, or HaMoitzi Bemispar Tzvam. This refers to Olam HaYitzira, which is already Misham Yiparit. There's a greater sense of fragmentation. This is a greater period. HaMoitzi, the word is HaMoitzi. HaMoitzi Bemispar Tzvam. Lashon HaMoitzi Merushos HaYachid Lerushos HaRabbim. It says, he takes out his stars in numbers. Every star is counted for. The word he takes out, we understand he takes it out, meaning, so to speak, he brings it out. He says, no, the moitzir is bediuk, just like in Masech Shabbos. In the first Perek, we have the halach of moitzir, you transport, you take out from one domain, a private domain to a public domain. So how moitzir b'mispar tzvam represents moitzir l'rishus, from rishus hayachid to rishus harabbim. Rishus Hayachid, a private domain, represents the world of Atsilas where there's absolutely no fragmentation, no multiplicity, and therefore no pirud, no fragmentation, because it's one, just like a Rishus Hayachid and Halacha means it's one person's domain. It's my domain, my house. It's my house. There may be a thousand people coming to me, but it's still my house. They can all carry in my house. Why? Because everyone in my house knows that they're in my house. Either all different personalities. Rishus Rabbim, the identity of Rishus Rabbim is, it's not mine, it's not yours. It's public. Everybody does what they want. That's the definition of it. But when you're in my house, even though you have your personality, you have your personality, you have your shtick, you have your shtick. Right? You're all defined by my energy, so to speak. That's the truth. That's that, that's That's... This is a very interesting idea uh, where the halacha and the psychology converge. Rishus HaYachid doesn't mean one person lives there. You can have a chatzar, biblically, you can have a chatzar, there could be 10,000 people using the courtyard. There's four walls, and it's designated for these houses, it's a Rishus HaYachid Minatayra. Why? Because it's, it's, in the, it's, it's, it's one energy. It's, now, yeah, is the Chachamam said if it's a courtyard that's used by... Uh, by a hundred families, it looks like a Rishos But everybody is moid, even medivrit. So you need an Erev Chatseris. But, but in, a, in a private house, I can have a thousand, I have a huge house, I have a huge yard, my, my garden. In Monsieur, you build your, your, your tent for your bar mitzvah, whatever it is. You can have 3,000 people, theoretically speaking. It's a Rishos HaYachid. Why is it a Rishos HaYachid? It's a Rishos HaYachid because it's one energy there. You're my guest. You're his guest. It's his energy that encompasses everybody. They're all part of one space, one zone, one mode. So Olam is, is not different than our world. Everything in our world exists in that world. But the point is, over there, what's nirgish, what's felt is, an achdos, a rishos hayachid. And then you have moitzim, a rishos hayachid, a rishos harabim. From there, there starts of fragmentations. With many, many madregas from one world to another world. In Olam HaTzilis, what you feel is the Achtos. In Olam Habriya starts Pirud. And the further you go, the more division from world to world to world. Liyaz Pchinas Rishus Rabim to become a Rishus Rabim, which is basically Ture de Pruda. Ture de Pruda means fragmented mountains. This refers to Olam HaAsiya. A mountain that's fragmented from another mountain is not just separate. A mountain represents you know, inflation, uh, arrogance. Here the fragmentation is complete. We're in two different worlds. This is in the last world, And nonetheless, how does the Pasik finish in Yeshaya? The, let's read the Pasik the way it is, and then we'll see his Pshat. The Pasik says, 
Hashem takes out all the legions, all the stars with number. Everyone is counted. It says, He gives everybody a name. From tremendous strength and intense power. No man is missing. Literally, the Metzudah's David explains in Yeshaya Perik, man, what it means is that Hashem's Koyach is so powerful that every Koychav, every star gets a name, and Ish Loi Nedar, none of them are ever missing. None of them are ever missing, meaning they continue to live and exist for thousands, of, I mean, unless he wants to destroy the star. But the point is that each star is accounted for, and because of his strength, they continue to live like the sun and the galaxies and the planets and the stars. They continue to live and function according to his Ratzin. Ishloi Neder, nobody is missing. In other words, there's an eternal power in many of the stars. This is in Pshat. What is it in Ruchnius? He says, even though it's Hamaitzi, in other words, it comes out to Hershus Arabim, nonetheless, means no one is cut off, no one is missing from Bittel. It's interesting here. Loineder means you're not missing because you have Bittel. So you see about the translation of Bittel. If Bittel means nullification, so Bittel means you are missing. No, no, no. Loi neder, no one is missing. Mibchines Bittel, because they have Bittel. In other words, no one is cut off. Because no one is cut off, everyone is alive, because everyone is Bittel. Shazel klal b'chol sitru de Kedusha. This is going to be the Yisoyed, a klal, in all of Kedusha. Afilu madregis atachtoinim. Even the lowest spaces of Kedusha. Nimshech b'chines Bittel ayesh b'chol elm lofi madregosa. In every world, according to its Madregi, even the lowest of the lowest, if it's connected to Kedusha, there's going to be a Bittl Hayash. What does it mean a Bittl Hayash? There's going to be a sense of intimacy, a sense of alignment with its source. It's not going to be a Yesh where you feel that you are detached and you are on your own. If there's Kedusha, there's Bittl Hayash. You're part of Hashem on some level. And therefore, in every space, even Hamaitzi, Ishlai Neder, nobody is really missing. The bittel reaches and trickles down even to Eilam So he means nether, as, as though you're translating exempt. No one is exempt from being included in this idea of bittel. No, I think like nether means not cut off, not missing. When there's no bittel, what it basically means, you're cut off from your source. Ish like nether because there is still a bittel. Nether means missing, literally. Like head there, you know, you're missing. So would this be a good parameter to see if you're in a place of Kedusha or not? Always, yeah. What do you mean, specifically? Alone, alone in a depressing sense. Right. Not alone detached. in an empowered sense. Detached, exactly. Detached. The spirit, the spirit. The spirit. In every state of Gdusha, anywhere, even in the lowest space, there's always the common denominator of Bittal Hayesh. Bittal Hayesh means you don't have to resort to a delusional ego to camouflage the void and the lack of self-confidence. Because there is a deep connection that you have. A deep connection that you have to yourself, because you have a deep connection to your source, which is the divine Hashem. I thought I said it in English. You mean in Yiddish. You don't mean in English. Bittel meint. 
Bitla Yashmaint, as a mensch in Yedem Metzius, in Yedem Sustan, in Yedem Matsev, er fühlt, as er is verbunden mit Epis. Er kommt von Epis. Er hat a Mokr, er hat a Scheidisch. Er is verbunden mit Nebishten. When a person feels at any point in life that he is in a hopeless state, devoid of any goodness, devoid of any meaning, devoid of any purpose, that God is completely not present, that's where the yesh takes over, there's no bitl hayesh. So that means it's already not kedusha. It's not kedusha. What if you feel that way when you're putting on tefillin? That's called schizophrenia. (laughs) That's called split. You split. That's fine. The mitzvah is the mitzvah. The person's consciousness may be somewhere else. There's a question in Allah of mitzvah striches kavana or ain't striches kavana. That's the question. Do mitzvahs require kavana or not? Right? It's a big argument in Gemara, in Brachas, if mitzvahs need kavana or don't need kavana. So that's the question. So here, do we, here we have, in summation, a very brief description of the four worlds that people hear about, but really seem very, very abstract. This is a fundamental idea in, in Teres Anister, that our world is not a self-contained universe. Our world is actually a final product in the evolution of many worlds. Generally, although there are myriads of worlds, but generally the four worlds are divided in Atzilis, Bri, Now, as we see from here, it makes it a little less abstract than would usually be seen. Because the way people understand it, oh, okay. So if I take a spaceship and I manage to fly a thousand light years away from here, I'll crash into Yitzira. And then if I go another billion light years, I'll crash into Bria. And then quinti- sectillion light years, I'll crash into Atsilis. And by that time, hopefully I'll be dead. So I won't know that the worlds exist. That's not the concept here. We're not talking here spatial terms. A world, and then you go like, you, you know, you land on the moon, you land on Yitzir, you land on Bria. The four worlds, if you really want to understand them, and this is important, are really four states of consciousness. Or put it differently, it's the same world wearing four different pairs of glasses. Now, I could just see bodies. I see that there are bodies. I can even see how many bodies, but I can't differentiate. Why? Simply because I'm not wearing my glasses, so therefore what my eyes on their own allow me to see is a certain element of reality, right? I see that there are people here, but I cannot make the differentiations between one face and another face. I'm pretty bad. (laughs) Now, I see much more, right? But do I see everything? Do I know what everybody here is feeling? (laughs) Maybe. When is this going to be over? Do I know? But what if I have another pair of glasses? There are four pairs of glasses. The same world, but what do you see in the world? You could see four different things. Just like we have it very practically. I see a cup. I see a table. Is this true? Of course it's true. This is a table. I'm not crazy. We all know it's a table and we rely on it. I could lean on it. I could put my svarim on it. I could sit on it. I could maybe even jump on it. Probably not this table. But everybody knows that if I really look at the table and I have the proper instruments, if I have the microscope, and even depends what type of microscope, we all know we're not dealing with a solid piece of wood. You're dealing with millions and billions and trillions and zillions and quintillions and more of, of atoms. And those atoms are in constant movement. The swiftness of those atoms are extraordinary. And 99% of it is empty space, because every atom, most of it is empty space. Right? So, so who's right? Who's right? Am I right? Or is the scientist right? 
The answer is you're both right. It depends on the instruments that you have to define what you're looking at. What you're looking at. We all know two people could look at the same person. One person sees a body. Another person sees personality. And within personality itself, how deep do you see? I come to a house to look at a house. What do I see? I say, wow, it looks good. An architect comes to a house. What does he see? He doesn't see what I see. I notice the piano. (laughs) I notice a painting on the wall. He's right away, oh, this angle, that angle. What angles? Right? I look at music notes. You ever read music notes? What do you see in music notes? You ever saw a piano uh, book? What do you see? That's what you see? I see lines. But I once saw I once saw a top musician. I gave him a song and suddenly he's smiling. Why? He was humming it to himself. You understand? Same lines. We both saw the same thing. But he saw the inside of it because he knows music notes. He saw it from inside out, not from outside in. The way you feel about music is the way I feel about this. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Very good. So two people could be reading the same words and they see the same words. One person starts singing it. They see something else because they're sensitive to a certain layer of reality. And the same is true almost in everything in the world. I see a painting. I, go, I went to the Louvre. I look at a painting. Okay. You have a great artist looks at it. He sees something else completely. He's already trying to figure out how it was done. He starts focusing on details that, right? Unless you're the connoisseur, unless you're the expert, you don't even see it. Same is true with people who taste wine, connoisseurs, almost any area. A contractor comes to a construction site. I look at Forche, I see a churban. The contractor is trying to understand where the pipe is going. <laughs> so who's right, who's wrong? It's not right or wrong. It's different. Every reality is multi-layered, multi-faceted, multi-dimensional. Different people have different prescriptions in their glasses that allow them to see certain things. Even seeing the atoms is not the end of it, because what is every atom itself made up of? You could look at it from a subatomic level. And then there's a sub-subatomic level. Layers upon layers upon layers upon layers. This is a marshal to understand the four elements. The four worlds are not four realities. One is above China, and one is above the equator, and one is above New York, and one is a billion light years, one is ten billion light years. No. It's four layers of the same reality. In other words, I could look at this cup with the glasses of Olam HaTzilus. What I'm going to see may not be what somebody else sees if that person is wearing the glasses of Bria, the glasses of Yitzira, the glasses of Asiya. Very important idea. It's four perceptions, not four realities. The perception creates four realities. Hashem creates four universes, parallel universes. Everything in the world you can experience the way Atzillus experiences it, and there it means one thing. Bri experiences it, it's one thing. Atzillus is another thing. And then there's Asiya. In the Isis of Allah, he calls this a Rishus HaYachit. This is Rabim, and in the middle you have a Carmelis and a Makkabtur. Those are the four worlds. No, no, it's not. Uh, it's not anecdotal. The four Olamis are the four Rishuyos of Shabbos. Rishus Hayachid is completely Minatayr. It's the the best, so to speak. Rishus Harabim is the biggest problems in Halacha, and then you have the two intermediary Rishuyos, which is Olam Habri, Olam Basically, you're having a Makkabtur and a Carmelis. 
Okay, we'll discuss it more in detail. Anyone try to correspond these to Pshat Remez Drush? So yeah, of course. Level, same of course. Four, same yeah, four. Of course, exactly. Pshat Remez Drush Sod and Torah are the four worlds. Pshat means you're wearing the glasses of Olam Hasiya. That's why you see Pshat. And that's real. That's real. What it says is what, what, you, what, it says is what you get. That's Pshat, the literal. I'm looking at a nose, I see a nose. I'm looking at a table, I see a table. That's Pshat. Remez Drush Sod are not contradictory to Pshat. <coughs> It's basically, you'll say, what table? It's not a table. It's not a solid, Bechlal. It's not a solid. There's a whole universe that's moving around. What are you talking about? That's the drash, the remez, the soid. It's all the same layers, the same pasuk chumash, the same halacha, the same story in Gemara, the same mitzvah, whatever it is. Different svarim will excavate and explore different layers. And they're all legitimate. They're all true. It's not one is true, one is sheker. Just like Olam HaSiyah is a true world. It's not a fake world. When it says, B'Resh is bar alakim as a v'sa'aretz, doesn't mean Olam HaTzilas, Olam Avriya, Olam HaTzilas. It means that too. But it means Olam HaTzilas. This is the world of Halacha. I can't put on tefillin, right? I need to put on physical tefillin of Pshat, Olam HaTzilas. So that's the concept of four perceptions of reality. We'll elaborate more, Bezer Hashem. Huh? Soid is HaTzilas. Soid This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.